0: Hey everybody, we're back. This is our D.O.L.W. podcast 28, May the 1st, 2021. And what day is it? It's uh, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Last time I checked, he was a layman. And uh, we're part of his cadre. Write a Sodomy by Randy Engel. She's our guest. She's here with us in the written word. page. We're going to start on page 811. Uh, our preamble, our intro is Wolves Not Shepherds, Volume 4. It's a 17-year effort of Randy Engel. Chapter 14 again, Wolves, Not Shepherds. We continue our discussion with our guest author, Randy Engel, present to us in the written word. couple messages to our bishop. Bishop, the money pit is closed. Then this is why. Two words, Randy Engel. Randy Engel. Now, what we're reading is a story of survival of some pioneer American Catholics living in a diocese without the protection of the bishop and church rule of law. You're going to hear these, and that's been our story. I think Teresa will tell you, John will tell you. That's our story. If I get a chance, this is our our, our guests, our John and Teresa, and I know that you all waiting for that. This is a special. We do this on a Saturday. I would like to weave in the clergy as broken cisterns. The problem with trusting broken cisterns, we're about Eli, the priest at Shiloh. He was the chief priest at Shiloh. His son, Hopney and Phineas, Phineas, and how they fit into the plan of why this is history worth remembering. And then we'll bring in some of our local Catholic personalities if we have time. But uh, John was going to start out reading here. Is that correct, John? Yes. And you're going to do a... Uh... There
1: you go, buddy. This? Yep, that's it. Take your Oh. Ryan's Early Years in Joliet Diocese. Daniel Ryan was born on September 28, 1930 in Mankato, Winona, Minnesota, the only son of Leonard and Irene Ryan. His family lived in Springfield, Illinois, from 1943 to 1945. He attended Blessed Sacrament School, Cathedral Boys High School, for one year, and then transferred to the Passionist Preparatory Seminary in Normandy, St. Louis, Missouri, where he completed high school and junior college. Ryan, a very bright lad, continued his education and training for the priesthood at St. Procopius College in Lyle, Illinois, operated by the Benedictine Fathers of St. Procopius Abbey. In 1952, after obtaining a B.A. in Classical Languages, he went to St. Procopius Seminary to complete his preliminary theological studies. Although Ryan studied under two religious orders, the Benedictines and the Passionist Fathers, in the end he became a diocesan priest. He was ordained for the Joliet Diocese by Bishop Martin McNamara on May 3, 1956, During the early years of his priesthood, he served as associate pastor in four Joliet parishes and then as pastor of St. Thaddeus Parish in Joliet and St. Michael's in Wheaton, Illinois. In the late 1950s, Ryan attended the Pontifical Lateran University in Rome to complete his postgraduate studies. After earning his GCL in Canon Law in 1960, Ryan returned to his home in his home diocese of Joliet. He served as the Joliet Chancery, the Joliet Chancery under three bishops Martin McNamara, Romeo Roy Blanchett, and Joseph L. Imish. After his initial posting in the diocesan chancery, Ryan served as Assistant Chancellor, 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 and Vicar general, and personal advisor for a diocesan clergy. Following the resignation of Bishop Blanchett Emish, the former faithful lieutenant of Detroit's John Cardinal Dearden, became Bishop of Joliet on August 28, 1979. He kept Ryan on as chancellor. As chancellor, part of Ryan's responsibility was to investigate cases of sexual abuse by diocesan priests. Ryan didn't have to look far. Since the early 1970s and continuing through the 1980s, St. Raymond's, the Bishop's Cathedral, had been turned into a popular hunting ground by homosexual clergy. There was Father Richard Ruffalo, who taught religion at the cathedral school and parish. He was a popular preacher, especially with traditionalist parish parishioners, and said the Tridentine Mass at Holy Cross Church in Joliet. Unfortunately, Ruffalo also had a secret life as a sophisticated groomer and abuser of teenage boys, some of whom he took on out-of-state trips to Las Vegas. He was also a thief, stealing large amounts of money from the collection plate to pay for his various recreational outings. While teaching at St. Raymond's, Ruffalo had the habit of pulling boys out of class and bringing them to the rectory where they had access to cigars, beer, and and unconsecrated wine. According to Ted Slowick, a staff writer for the Herald News, other priests at St. Raymond's also contributed to the delinquency of minors by providing the schoolboys with alcohol and letting them drive their cars in order to manipulate the young men into sexual relationships. When Ruffalo died, he left a debt of 95150 mostly credit card debt and at least two lawsuits for sexual molestation behind him. There was also the equally popular Father Lawrence Mullins, who was a favorite of the Reverend Thomas O'Keefe the rector and pastor of St. Raymond's from 1969 to 1985. When the morally upright O'Keeffe was stricken with cancer and took to living a fairly secluded life on the second floor of the rectory, Mullins and his friends took advantage of his absence to molest boys on the first floor. Mullins, ordained in 1977, kept a stash of homosexual porn at the rectory that he used to stimulate the young boy's sexual curiosity. He used the confessional to cull potential victims by questioning male students about masturbation. Among his victims and their classmates he had a reputation of being that way, and some boys went out of their way to avoid him at all costs. At least five men have come forward to attest that Mullins molested them while they were students at St. Raymond's. They said he would force his hand down their pants and fondle their genitals. In 1983, Bishop Imish transferred Mullins to another parish. Mullins eventually left the priesthood for health reasons and resettled in Washington, D.C. and later in Alexandria, Virginia. In a 2002 press interview, Bishop Imish said he had no idea why Mullins left the priesthood in 1993, however, according to reporter Slowick, a letter written by Auxiliary Bishop Roger Kaffer on August 19, 1997, regarding Mullen's current status, indicated that the priest had been removed from active ministry by the diocese several years before. Obviously, this action could not have taken place without the knowledge and approval of Bishop Imish. Finally, there was Father Anthony A.J. Ross, who competed for boys with Mullins. Ross, who served at the Cathedral Parish from 1977 to 1980, came from a fairly wealthy family and usually outdid Mullins when it came to buying gifts to seduce young boys. Like many sexual predators, Ross had a hideaway, a family-owned cabin near Lake Geneva, where he entertained boys and plied them with liquor. In 1981, Mullins managed to get Ross transferred to St. Peter the Apostle in Atasca. Fellow molester, Ruffalo, had also served at St. Peter's under Pastor Donald Rock, another clerical molester who was later removed for alleged sexual misconduct. One evening, Ross had two boy visitors from St. Raymond's stay overnight with him at the rectory. During the night, he assaulted one of the young men, a 15-year-old, and performed a sexual act upon the boy. The next morning, the priest acted as if nothing had happened. In January 1983, Bishop Image ordered Ross into counseling at a House of Affirmation affiliate in Montero, California, where the priest was free to visit the beach and work out at Gold's Gym in San Francisco. After Ross returned to the Joliet Diocese, despite Image's and Kapper's promises to the 15-year-old boy's family that the priest would not be permitted to continue parish work, Ross went on to staff three other churches in DuPage County. In 1993, Ross's victim courageously confronted Bishop Imich, and demanded that Ross be removed from the priesthood. Instead, Emish sent, sent Ross to the Diocese of Santa Rosa, where the newly installed Patrick Zeman gave the predatory priest sanctuary. Zeman, however, was forced to remove Ross from his post as prison chaplain when the priest began to act out again. All three of the above cases involved a liberal cash flow the priest spending an inordinate amount of time with teenage boys and tipsy young boys staggering out of the rectory, yet no one in authority at St. Raymond's gave the matter a second thought, including Chancellor Ryan, who was soon rewarded for his blinders and loyalty to Bishop Image good,
0: good comment, and Teresa, are you ready to uh Head on, and you know, I'll give you a little comment. It, were you ready? I, I can go to an introductory before we do a handoff, if that's okay. Yeah. 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 Well, what, off tape, we were talking about these leaking cisterns, and I want to add on to that. Uh, and the concept, and it's a counter to, a counter, it's, it's counter current. I don't know how to say it. We're going upstream with some of the leading, prominent Catholic intellectuals and leaders like Bishop Barron, a very popular guy says that essentially in a very polite way, referring to the polls, the polls uh, do not tell us these scandals are the reason the youth were hemorrhaging youth. They admit they're losing a lot of youth when, you know, and and if your family's anything like our families are, uh, you know, 75% of the people have left the Catholic faith and we're not happy campers over that. So the concept is, well, it's not the scandals. Well, I disagree. And, uh, and we one the poles are not our teacher. Jesus Christ is the teacher. God is our teacher. The church is our teacher. And we have history, and it's history worth remembering, of uh, Eli, who's the chief uh, uh, priest at the, at Shiloh, and his sons Phineas and Hopney. That's where we lost the Ark of the Covenant. That's the whole thing on Indiana Jones. So we know the top. We're taught by uh, the Word of God and the Hebrew Scriptures about the past the Holy Spirit has brought about, God's brought about such that that's worth memory remembering. Put it in there, and there's a reason for that, and we they are our, our leaders, that tribe. They lost God, literally, the Ark of the Covenant was gone, and it had consequences downstream. Same today. So the argument is, well, the scandals, let's forget about them. Society is over sex. Wait a minute. It's our leaders, and we're reading about the history of this, The church does not decline. I'm going to find that quote, but it's out there. The church does not decline in isolation of society. When the church declines, society declines. We're upstream from politics. We're upstream from culture. We inform culture, okay? That's why we take time and effort to build uh, universities to teach the truth about beauty and things. So before we turn it over to Therese, I'm kind of setting... Uh, think of teresa's what she's going to share with you is, as a diamond we're setting the jewel the set of, the, of this piece of this the crown jewels of our of our catholic church and the idea is it matters what happens with our leaders it matters how they live their lives a second and we've seen that with the ark of the covenant when it was lost whole indiana jones deal now following that how can you lose god and how can you fill up with god because you get restored you fill it up so when you get filled up with god can you lose god again remember the geography i'm unrolling them out for you the geography is uh, and how to think the church has captured all the teachings of jesus christ and for our purposes has them in three categories what to believe dogmatic theology how to act moral theology and how to how to perfect one's actions we're not talking about dogmatic we're not talking about moral. It's obvious. But if you begin to think about the consequences of what they're doing, when because they're going to claim, oh, mercy and forgiveness, the consequences when you are not striving to fill up with God have impact on our lives, my life, your life, and we, and the voices. And that's the whole idea when you, you, you're little darlings and still you start to question. So when you fill up With the Holy Spirit, you can lose the Holy Spirit. You can hemorrhage the Holy Spirit. And the the teachings of John of the Cross, the Carmelite Order, are are this. I'm going to summarize for them. And, uh, And I'm going to keep you on the high ground, not the swampland. In the Old Testament, they would dig cisterns. Cisterns are not wells. Wells are sources of water. A cistern is comparable to your soul that has lost God. The cistern will receive water. Well, they found out that and they, at, at, along in these deserts, which is the desert of your life, the desert of your soul, you thirst for God, you fill up with God, and then you can lose God, similar to the cisterns. And they found out these cisterns would develop leaks. So if the cistern were uh, six feet deep and the leak was at the three-foot mark, it would lose water to the 30-foot mark. Remember, it's not the source, but when it rains it captures water for days when we when we have a thirst and there is no water well some of the cisterns would have a leak at the bottom so it would drain all the water they had nothing there. they were they were leaking cisterns so they they would repair them and then the water would stay in them there was, inte- was integrity well when we take that physical and we move it over to the spiritual how can the soul lose god this is something very classic spirituality 101 you lose god through your passions summon substance and that's what you're seeing here so say these men want uh whatever you want you want the rights for the third sex you got male female the third sex whatever it is pleasure illicit sex going right back to phineas and hopney they wanted the best portions they had excess appetites for their status for wealth and for pleasure you lose god And when our leaders lose God, we end up suffering too. So you shouldn't be happy campers when they say that's ancient history. It has no consequences on you. Oh, yes, it does. And you'll see that uh, it has consequences. We paid $4 billion for their sex lives. And we've lost God. You know, we've lost beauty in, in the world. We've lost peace and happiness. The family's under attack because these guys can't keep their pants on. I'm not a happy camper. Now, getting back to these cisterns, I want to leave you with a remedy. When you have an appetite for the red Corvette, you know, you talk to a woman. When her, don't you, you know, when a man, we were just talking off camp, when a man has has eyes for, even though he's living with his wife, he likes his life, she's hurt that he has a, a passion for some other uh, woman or some other thing, the red Corvette, you know, too many hunting trips. Those, your desires fear sorrow hope and joy are to be on god we'll talk about that how you lose god is through these appetites because you want to plug them up and you start to plug them up with virtue patience and patience is an attribute of love and assuming that you don't know and there's darkness and you're just dark love is like rubbing two sticks together your soul your will with the will of your father and it will burn off those appetites so you have an inordinate desire for fishing it will you will burn it off it's a law of nature it's the same and these guys are making no effort you'll listen to Teresa they have they're they're like the blind leading the blind okay and we got our own parish priest talking about feelings I don't I don't feel it not using logic okay there's a whole history on that so keep in mind I'm gonna I'm gonna come back when uh, Therese needs a break. I've got three other things to carry on, but Therese, I'm gonna let you work on uh, on uh, take her over. Let's hear from Teresa. All right. Okay. Three fingers. Three
2: fingers. Yes. Okay. We're reading uh, Ryan installed as bishop of Springfield on page eight fourteen. On September thirtieth, 1981, at the Ca- Cathedral of St. Raymond Nonatus, Bishop Emish ordained Ryan Auxiliary Bishop of Joliet. Auxiliary Bishop Raymond Vonish and Bishop Daniel Cusera, OCB, Bishop of Salina, Kansas, assisted Emish. Bishop Cusera, a Benedictine priest, was a former Auxiliary Bishop of Joliet and served as apostolic administrative for the diocese under Bishops Bishop Blanchett and Emesh. In 1983, Cusera moved up to become the most heinous of the sex instruction programs. Wait a minute. I think I skipped a line here, guys. Okay, Cusera, okay, I'm going to start over there. In, in 1983, Cusera moved up to become the most... Archbishop of Dubuque, Uh, Dubuque, where he was instrumental in spawning one of the most heinous of the sex instruction programs ever to hit Catholic schools, the New Creation Series. According to Sister Judith Davies, the current Chancellor of the Diocese of Joliet, before Ryan's ordination to the bishopric, letters, were sent to every priest in the diocese, and Ryan was their overwhelming choice for bishop. Davies added the Archbishop Pio Laghi, the papal, the papal nuncio, sent letters to 30 people in the diocese inquiring about Ryan, and he received only positive feedback. There was not even a hint of any inappropriate behavior on his part while he was here, she said. Actually, Sister Davies was wrong when she said that Ryan had a clean record in Joliet, but she did not know it, it at that time. There were, however, at least two diocesan officials who did know and they kept silent, Bishop Emesh and Auxiliary Bishop Von Esch, who died in August 1991. On August 11th, 2002, a priest from the Joliet diocese spoke to a Herald News reporter on condition of anonymity of, this, of his abuse at the hands of Auxiliary Bishop Ryan. The priest said he and Ryan were staying overnight at a, fo- at a, at a hotel following a Friday evening confer- confirmation at a parish a distance away from St. Ray- Raymond's. That evening, Ryan invited some priests to his hotel for drinks. At, as, the, as the young priest was leaving to return to his room, he said Ryan tried to kiss, him, kiss and grope him. The priest told the bishop to sleep it off went to his room, and bolted the door. When the priest returned, he reported the incident to Auxiliary Bishop Vanesh, who did not appear to be surprised. Vanesh told him to tell Bishop Emesh, which, which he did. The, bis- the priest said he would not soon forget his conversation with Bishop Emesh, who made him feel ashamed for relating this incident. After that, the priest said he didn't know where to go or what to do, so he remained silent for more than 20 years. The accusation that Ryan took advantage of one of his own priests in an attempt to slake his own unnatural sexual desires apparently left no impression on Imesh. When the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois opened up with the death opened up with the death of Bishop Joseph Mac- McNicholas on april 17, eighty three, Emesh secured the diocese for Ryan. Ryan was installed as the seventh bishop of the See of Springfield in the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception on January 18, 1984. The Roman Catholic faithful breaks story. Within one month of his arrival in Springfield, Ryan went cruising for sex. His favorite haunt was downtown by the Amtrak station where he could pick up young male prostitutes for 50 to 100 a trick. Sometimes Ryan brought the young men to a local holiday inn. Sometimes he took them to his private residence at the rectory of the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. When some of the prostitutes were later questioned about their sexual relationships with Ryan, they were able to provide the interviewers with a detailed description of the bishop's apartment at the rectory. For the record, all the prostitutes and witnesses who testified against Ryan passed polygraph test administered by an FBI-trained examiner. Ryan, who, was den- who has denied that he engaged in homosexual solicitation, has yet to take a lie detector test. The following is a brief account of Roman Catholic faithful's n- role in the exposure of Bishop Ryan as a homosexual predator of young men and a debaucher of priests, a shepherd-turned-wolf. In the fall of 1996, two priests who claimed Ryan had propositioned them contacted President Steve Brady of RCF. One of the priests said that Ryan had threatened to send him to a psychiatric center if he revealed the incident to anyone. Based on written statements of the two priests, Brady wrote a letter to Bishop Ryan on November 8, 1996, asking for his resignation. Brady also solicited the assistance of Father John Hardin, who had long established contacts with the Holy See. After interviewing the two priests, Father Hardin arranged for a private meeting with Archbishop Agostino Cassavillian, the Papal Nuncio in Washington, D.C., at which time Hardin extracted a promise of confidentiality regarding the names and statements of Ryan's accusers, as in the Ferrario case. Cassavillian not only failed to undertake his own investigation of the charges against the bishop, but he also turned over all the documents provided by Hardin, including the names of the 2 priests, priest-accusers to Bishop Ryan. In mid-February 1997, Hardin traveled to Rome with one of Ryan's priest-accusers and met with Archbishop, later Cardinal, Dario Castrillion Hoyos, per- prefect of clergy it was at this time that Hardin learned that the vatican had made at least 3 attempts to get ryan to resign such is such is the sad state of affairs in rome that bishops guilty of moral turpitude terp- and the abuse of power of their office are asked not ordered to resign by the holy see wow in the end, all of the all that Father Hardin got for this trouble, for his trouble, was a promise of protection against retaliation by Ryan for the priest that had accompanied him to Rome. Meanwhile, RCF continued its investigation. By december nineteen ninety seven, Brady had successfully located several former male prostitutes and had engaged in sexual relations with Ryan when they were young men. One of these men was Frank R. Bergen, who was incarcerated in the Illinois Correctional Institute. He was able to provide Brady with certain intimate details of the bishop's anatomy, which left no question he had had sex with the man. Initially, Brady scheduled a press conference for December thirtieth, 1997, but it was postponed until January fifteenth, 1998 the evening Brady released the statement given to RCF by Frank Bergen. Now, Burgeon, a Catholic, said that in 1983 he ran away from his home in central Illinois. He ended up in downtown Springfield where he sold his body to survive and to purchase drugs. He heard street talk that there was a John called the Bish who paid well for sexual services and if you hit him on a good day he would also pick up the tab for rent, new clothes, or food. Burgeon said he made contact with Ryan and became one of his regulars. He said he also serviced three other priests from the Springfield Diocese. Burgeon gave sworn testimony that Ryan took him to his residence at Immaculate Conception and to various holiday inns. When he visited Ryan at the parish rectory, Burgeon said he used the, gar- the garbage entrance. He described in detail Ryan's bedroom and bathroom. He said that Ryan had a foot fetish and was obsessed with body massages and that his sexual preference was for masturbation and fellatio. Ryan often complained to Burgeon that some of the other male prostitutes who serviced him at the rectory ripped him off by stealing expensive jewelry and other items. One of Burgeon's most startling statements was that Ryan heard his confession and absolved him of his sins each and every time they had sex. Burgeon said that Bishop Ryan made me believe it was okay to be gay and Catholic as long as it wasn't talked about. Burgeon recalled that sometimes Ryan would make him kiss his ring finger as bishops do to the Pope. Burgeon admitted he was no angel. He had worked as a male hustler for more than 14 years, was a convicted felon, and had used illicit drugs, although he had been drug-free for the last year. He also said he had AIDS, and all he wanted now was was to clear his conscience. Brady made arrangements for a faithful priest to hear Burgeon's confession. I'll stop here.
0: All right, I'm going to add a comment on that. And uh, so... Again, I think the strategy of the uh, clergy and their staff is this is ancient history. It's not relevant. Forget about it. That's contrary. If you believe them, or when they say that to you, they have to ignore the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit inspired by the holy spirit the word of god and the hebrew scriptures tell us about eli phineas and hopney furthermore you have to in- ignore this spiritual philo- uh, theology that remember we talked about dogmatic moral and then the mystical ascetical, the spiritual theology but so we're talking about john the cross so we put this in context because this has an impact on the family, it has an impact on finances, their sins directly affect the loss of God in the life of the community, both the church community and and the secular community. Consider this, the journey to God, the will must walk in detachment from every pleasant thing rather than attachment to it, okay? Think about that. That's why we said, do you trust these leaking cisterns? you see that they're leaking out God from the church graces and then to know that we as a church we are as a church to be journeying towards God and they are to aid us in this transformation now that was John the cross page 630 I'll give you another part this is the living flame of love God is going to treat these folks John the cross predicts about these directors do not know what spirit is now, he's talking about spiritual direction and poor spiritual direction. These are leaders. They are so far remote, there is some criticism that can be had. But think of them as, as their public life and private life as just leading everybody astray. But watch what John on the Cross says. These spiritual directors do not know what spirit is. They do a great injury to God. Look at that. They do a great injury to God, too. You haven't thought about that. They do a great injury to God and show disrespect toward him by intruding with a rough hand where he is working. It costs God a great deal to bring these souls to this stage in life. These are believers. You don't think in terms of thousands of years or hundreds of years. Well, the the church does. So there is. You have God He's not happy. It's not going to go well for these leaders, and that's what we talk about: starve the DSA. You know, you don't have to bless their sin with your money. I want you to also understand how we talked about. Three of us talked about, and I'm trying to put it in the context of jewels in this, the crown jewels of our, our family jewels of the church. So it's relevant. I use jewelry. I could use a different item, but it's a different angle on it. Remember that we. I used it in a prior podcast the idea we were the little darlings until we started asking questions just stunned at the response well it's predicted and the church has answers answers for everything in the spiritual theology of john the cross he talks about fire he says consider this this is natural law too dampness of the log of wood is unknown until the fire being applied to it made it sweat smoke and sputter i'll repeat that the dampness of the log of wood is unknown until the fire being applied to it made it sweat, smoke, and sputter. That's page 587, John of the Cross. Think about what, when we ask the priest or the bishop questions, and their soul is damp, not on fire, not in a journey towards God, but they appear to be, they have the appearance. Test them. Test them with your questions. And we'll have a catechism on questions to ask them. We're just a hatchling going, getting going. But here I want to, the corollary to trees. So we have this horrible sin going on. What is it that we're losing? You're losing the life of God that you are called to. The Holy Spirit is a fire of love with infinite power to transform all it touches according to its preparation. John of the Cross, page 596. Soul that prepares. So the Holy Spirit is a fire of love with infinite power to transform all it touches. But it's dependent upon the soul preparing itself. It's just like the log of wood that has to dry out. What are the similarities? It's the passions. Phineas and Hopney had a passion for the best of the best and for pleasure. Same with these guys. They are ordained. They have a passion for first places. They have a passion for the best. They have a passion to keep you and me and our voices silent. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And they want not to hear from our sister, Randy Angle, as she writes these things. So I'll go forward. But above all, I leave you with this thought. And, and Do not flee from your trials. That's John of the Cross, page 686. For they are the remedy that what ails you. You got Bishop Barron wanting to wed the poles. He's trying to run from this history as fast as he can. That may be what to believe doesn't, doesn't affect him. Moral life, that's not his bad moral life. Run from it. But when you get into spiritual theology 101, God is trying to draw from your soul virtues you don't even know that you lack. And that's brought about by the trials. Stand your ground. Be not afraid of the truth about ourselves. That's what John, the great Saint John Paul II said. These guys are trying to get away from it as fast as they can. Right now, everything would be very good for Therese if she would have kept her mouth shut and stayed away from another parishioner. Everything would be fine with John if he would have just kept his mouth shut and stayed away. Is that about right, Therese? Yes. I'm getting a right from John, and John, I know. I've bought and paid for his testimony, right? (laughs) Bought but not paid. Oh, yeah. Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. So, we we dumb, but we're not stupid. We learned how to do this after reading this book. Yeah, that's a joke. But your idea is that they're buying their reality. That's a false reality. You're going to be troubled when you use your voice, but use it anyways. Going back to Genesis, our father used his voice, spoke truth to darkness, spoke truth to chaos, brought order and light. So, I leave you with that, and I think somebody's going to do some more reading here. But was this helpful in this context, Teresa? Because we're digging deeper, and we're laying out this is a skeleton, and they want to put it in a museum and let it draw dust. Oh no, this is alive today, and it is about the body of Christ. It's about the wounds of Jesus. They don't even, when he talks about, it's just painful for a bishop that is that popular, Bishop Barron, to say, well, the polls tell us the polls are not our teacher and why not talk instead of the poll talk about the wounds on the body of jesus christ our parish priest is not concerned about the wounds that he brought on everybody else he wants to be he's bringing up numbers and money
2: yes yes he is and um you know we can see we can see the correlation um with what's happened to us um in our church and uh you know we read this and and then we think of like what mike was talking about um phineas and um you know their their uh, lust and um you know for sex and for money and we see the very same things going on now And power i you know power is a big one I, in our own church um you know for for father steve to just um uh, Kick out a woman who, who needed community and just throw her away like she's a piece of trash, like she's not part of the family, and, just, and then want me to go along with it? Want me to not ask for prayer for her and tell me that I can't have prayer? What is that?
0: John, we're bypassing you. I've got something to say. Is that all right? Sure. You know, keep in mind that what we're doing here using our voices, and we encourage you, is that... Uh, the pro-life movement is making has made some headway, but they changed. And there was a man that I heard, I don't remember his name, but uh, uh, he was out west. He was a non-Catholic, big active man, active in the pro-life movement. He said one time he was out being active and engaging and debating, and he realized, you know, no matter what that other side says, they're not going to convict me to change my mind. And he says, I've really been doing this for so many years, 20, 30 years. I don't think I'm going to change that person's mind. But he said, you know what they're motivated by? Money. Profit. It is an industry. The abortion industry is run by profit. The profits dry up, they go away. And I'll tell you right now, the, one I, the mother's milk is driving much of this sin right here. The mother's milk of money. Money is the mother's milk that's driving a lot of this sin. Without money, they probably and, and power, these men would probably never seek a vocation. These men would not be in the position that they are in to do the harm they have done to God. We heard John of the Cross. The harm they do to God. And when you factor in a comment like they're guiding their lives by the polls, by public opinion in a secular world, how deep what a depraved heart. What a depraved heart, not to be concerned about God, not to be concerned about the wounds to Jesus Christ. That's what we believe Christians are, the body of Christ, the wounds. And they are more interested in saving the face, the public reputation of themselves, the church, the local church. So I leave you with the thought, starve the DSA, control your money, you know, you, and you're going to be able to have some control over policies. You're going to be able to lobby them, whether their hearts and minds are at where you want it to be at whether they've been fully transformed we want them to not lie okay and uh, to tell the truth if they can't tell the truth at least don't lie and clean up their room that's jordan peterson some basic basic changes but above all you know start with the money there's nothing that says the can there's nothing uh, that says that they have to have money in order to live out the priesthood and uh, you look at paul paul living a, uh making his living mending nets living on a beach, got bit by a snake when he's sticking his hand into a pile of wood to put some wood to warm himself to the fire so remember uh we have we're talking about governance of the church and they uh are not necessarily entitled to have massive amounts of of wealth okay there's the canonical church but there's also a church beyond the you have to ask yourself is the church limited by its canons so the churches only exist where it's canonically established and uh, let them make that argument no the canons say we have to have all this wealth well those canons can change okay and those canons get there's other things and we'll get into that 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 the argument is they are they can continue to do what they've done have absolute control no transparency over the wealth and i'll i I will take the other argument i'll say no that's not true and i have control over my wallet and i can decide what part of the church to give my money to and you should too and right now in our diocese in Lansing we want to starve that DSA. We want some information from the bishop. We want an inventory of all the assets of the diocese. We want to know uh, what are our expenses, and they don't want to share that information with us. They don't want to give us truth. They want to orient us to 911. So we're we're forming by asking questions. We're we're getting we're getting we're learning a lot even though we don't get any answers. We're learning their capacity and tolerance for truth is rather low. Do you want to say anything?
2: Well, I was just thinking about the Diocese of Lansing itself. Um, uh, we just recently um, was reported that they had to pull a, a priest, and unfortunately I can't remember his name, from um, from Ann Arbor. And, um, you know, and they had to replace him with another priest. Egan. Egan, was it Egan? Father Egan. Okay, yeah, now that's coming back to me. Okay, and... Um, So, so, you know, here we are, you know, are we to trust that they're doing what they say they're doing? You know, we're reading books from 1987 and, you know, the stories that have gone and built on into 2000. And yet we're still seeing it in 2021. We're just now pulling these guys who have been around and who have been doing these things and have had accusations. So you're right, Mike, starve the DSA. Yes, this has got to stop. We want, we want truth and we want justice.
0: Uh, the The men that are in it for the money are going to leave okay the good ones will hang whether they got money or not okay so keep that in mind and nobody's going to let them starve okay so don't leave the church there's a lot to do there's battle going on this is a civil war in the catholic church there's battle there's blasts of cannon there's bags of glory if you're youth and you want to have you want to listen to them and tell it the easy way no that's not the way to eternity you lift your heaviest load if you're a non-believer and you're hardwired for burdens, we are beasts of burden. We are hardwired psychologically, Jordan Peterson will tell you. The science is to, to, to do something, to do good. That's where your happiness is. That's where your peace is. And there's some universals. So when you go and do, you listen to the college people and you get into philosophy, look, there are universals. And one of those universal experiences is pain. Everybody knows there's pain. Another universal is happiness and peace if you've never experienced it or if you have you'll know it's a beautiful thing but you can see it in other people peace happiness pain so don't be lied to don't argue with them but uh, but there is a battle going on and it's so meaningful if you pick your heaviest load what does that mean try to reduce suffering in your neighbor you know try to 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 restrain malevolence, and that's exactly what we're doing here. We're using our voices, and you'll be shocked when you apply the light, the fire, which in the form of light, to the life of the local priest, and say, "Hey, you know, have you received any gifts from anybody over fifty dollars?" We have brand new legislation that came out just what in the last thirty days from Rome, saying that the priests are not allowed. I sent that to you. I don't know if you saw that, trees. She didn't get to read it. Shame, shame, shame. You've had like 12 hours. (laughs) No, you you cut her pay. (laughs) Put her out of the will Yeah, cut her out of the will again. You're coming out of the will, you know. And uh, so so 50 bucks, if they get a gift over 50 bucks, they got to report it. Well, you know, we'll get into that. That's a little bit beyond the scope what we want to talk about today. But look, there's change join the change there's plenty of room to restrain malevolence and you know what we with zooming we can zoom to parts of the world that have plenty of priests uh we can bring priests in there you know there's no priest shortage like they'd like to have that so we can bypass them there's lots that you could do you know and so we'll share with you the canonical ways and then the the charismatic ways and then the tacit approval that you have to receive jesus christ Japan went 200 years without the, pre, the clerical priesthood, and they were baptized, and the church was alive and well when it was found. So keep think that in mind. Keep that in mind, and uh, we're going to start lobbying. And there's lobbies of priests. We're going to start lobbying with the bishop. So think about that. Hold back your money, and if you don't want to hold it all the way back, say bishop, we'll lobby. With, we'll parlay. We're going to have a whole program teaching you how the French voyagers would parlay. So keep that in mind. I got my boss coming down here. Can we conclude now? Because we got yeah. the electrician coming in, telling us that we got to cut it. And, and uh, did you want to be on the program, Carl? There's, it, it's worth two cents. And uh, we're praying. We're live. We're live here. So hang on with us. And uh, I gotta go. And uh, why don't we say conclude with a prayer? Conclude with a prayer,
2: John. John, you're good. Oh, okay. Count-
0: Carl, did you want to conclude with a prayer? Descend. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna have first. Carl. Three fingers from,
2: that. Three fingers from your mouth. Yep.
1: Okay. What do I gotta do? Just pray. Press?
2: Pray. Huh? Pray. pray right in there. Okay. Welcome
1: okay, to Lord, there. Lord, we just thank you for everything you've doing with Mike and his group, and we thank you for all the blessings, and we're just very happy with every all the blessings that we have. Yeah, thank you. Amen. We're praying for electricity too, all right? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right. I think Let got it. got my keys. Though. Okay. Well, uh, you know, you, you I got your keys? I think so. Yeah. You you give me electricity, I'll give you your keys. <laughs> <laughs>